Drops it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around the front. Live. In the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. T.C. Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fox. now in and glad to have you with us on this thunderous thursday edition tc martin show vgk frank that's what he is today that's what you are for the next month as long as the golden knights are still alive still alive what are we talking about they're rolling right now golden knights trying to close it out game number six tonight t-mobile arena puck drop 608 tonight so if you're going to T-Mobile, get out there early, and I'm going to heed Frank's advice. I'm going out early tonight. I usually like to, you know, push the envelope a little bit. You know, I don't like sitting around for the, a lot of the pregame stuff. So I'm, see, that's because you got spoiled. Yeah, because you were spoiled because you used to just hang out with Double B over at the Cosmopolitan, <laughs> grab a bite to eat, have a cocktail or two, and then just mosey on over to the arena. Things are a little bit different. I never right had a now. cocktail though. You know me. I was a, I was an iced tea guy. Well, you know, so you, you you had a frosty beverage. Well, it was iced tea. Hmm. Whatever. I had, I had food. That was that was the main event. Well, <laughs> obviously, that's always the main thing in your world. But um, yeah. So, but no. But you know, and and now things are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And since the aria is not just for media parking anymore, it's definitely become uh, a little bit. Uh, more difficult finding a choice parking space, or if you get there too late, finding any parking space. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I have a feeling a lot of people that are going to the game tonight will be leaving their place of employment early with the 6 o'clock start. Yes. Um, I did enjoy going to game number four because I got out early. <clears throat> I did the mad dash. I think you did too. I think we both exited a little bit early to beat the crowd. I and can neither deny nor confirm that. <laughs> I know we shouldn't say that, right? <laughs> It's quite all right. The game was totally in hand. We were fine with that, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely saw Marshall Schultz's hat trick. Yeah. So saw the I. hat tricks thrown on the so ice and I. everything. Right. So, we and I know that Brown scored the goal where Grubauer went uh, into the net. Yeah. I didn't miss any goals. Neither did you. So, you know. We're so fine. Not. And we beat traffic. That was a good thing. And, and, that, and that's a big thing, too, you know, because uh, that traffic, uh, uh, the higher up on the parking garage you are, the more you have to wait for traffic sometimes. So, mm. it can, you know, it's a difference between getting out of there in 30 seconds or an hour in 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Today on the show, we will be breaking down the Vegas Golden Knights. We're going to go all over this thing tonight. Game six, the closeout situation for the Golden Knights. They have not always been... A, a great bet to in these closeout situations. We'll see if they can get it done tonight. But they did get the job done against Minnesota. It, took, it was game seven, right? Yeah, that was and, the first time that they closed out a game at right, home. Right. However, in all fairness, right. they've only had three closeout opportunities at Correct. home. Correct. You know, yeah. so, yeah. so they failed in the first two. So. Yeah. All right, so we'll see what happens uh, tonight. We will talk boxing. Bob Aaron will join us, the legendary Hall of Fame promoter, my main man. Looking forward to talking with him. Three big ESPN cards coming in the next three weekends. We've got 
Fight tickets to give away two for Shakur Stevenson coming up this Saturday night at the Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas, formerly the Hard Rock, formerly the Joint, now the Theater, uh, ESPN top-ranked card Saturday night. So we'll talk to Bob regarding that, plus two the next two weekends, more top-ranked ESPN fights. Uh, Vasily Lomachenko will be here in two weeks. And then the big announcement forthcoming any day officially now for Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 3. So we will talk to Bob Arum about that today. Now, as far as the fights this Saturday, what are you most looking forward to? Are you looking forward to seeing live boxing again? You looking forward to checking out the Virgin Hotel Casino? You looking forward to checking out the new theater, which is the former joint? A combination of all of them? Meeting up with some friends in the boxing realm that you haven't seen for a while? There's a lot of things to look forward to since, you know, the first big boxing event since the pandemic here right. in town. You're right. That the public has, the doors have been open, you know, for the public. And for the most part, it's been very, very limited media. And it's still going to be limited media this time around. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And I, I'm actually kind of looking forward to, um, you know, kind of like sitting in the crowd as well, too. Because a lot of times, you know, with, with the media, at the bigger venues, I mean, we're sitting, you know, close to ringside. But, like, at this venue, sometimes, uh, you know, with COVID restrictions still, they like to put uh, uh, the media upstairs a little bit and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to, you know, actually rolling around and all of the above that we, you just said. I want to check out the venue. I want to see if there is much of a difference between the Hard Rock and now the Virgin. Uh, as you know, we've seen all kinds of great, not only sporting events, but concerts in that venue as well, too. And it does play well for boxing. It always has. So I'm looking forward to that. Yes, um, looking forward to seeing a lot of my boxing brethren and, and sisters, if you want to say as well, too. So all of the above. Your boxing yes. peeps. My bo- boxing peeps. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, invited my, my guy, uh, Kenny Adams, you know, the, the Hall of Famer himself. C- Kenny hasn't really been out, too. You know, with the whole COVID situation, he's popped by with us on a couple occasions uh, to be on the show. But he's looking forward. Uh, he knows Shakur Stevenson very well as well, too. So it's like, yeah, this is I'm looking forward to Saturday night and the cherry on top, which we found out yesterday. If there is a game seven, game seven is going to be at 430 in the afternoon. Remember, we were, I was kind of sweating that. I was like, oh, no, game seven. If there is a game seven, then that could conflict with the boxing. Now I'm good. Right. Yeah, so there you go. So so, you go. so so that all looks good. So, yeah. But, yeah, my only concern, and it's not a fear or nothing like that, but because I've heard some good things about the Virgin, I've known some people that have been over there, I, I just don't want to walk in there and kind of be, like, disappointed, disappointed yeah. that I don't see all of the rock and roll memorabilia because I'm such a big rock guy, you know? Yeah. It's like, where is Hendrix's suit? Where is Prince's stuff? Where is this, you know? Because there was so much iconic stuff there from the rock world. And to walk into that building, because I remember when they built it, you know, with the circle bar and everything else there, and to not see that stuff on display might be a bit of a shock to my system. Yeah, no, and I hear you. That's a great point with that, too. And, you know, it's tough. When you take over an iconic property, one that's been there for such a long time, that really had a theme. You know, there was a niche. There was a theme for that place. Well, remember, and originally it was just it was a, a great cafe brand. on the corner. Correct. And then they built the whole hotel <laughs> casino behind it because it, like, it's, it's not big enough here. You we was, need more. It's funny you say that because when I was talking to Kenny Adams today, he goes, where's the fights at? Again, he goes, I go, well, you know, it's the Virgin. 
what's that? You know, that, that, you know Hard Rock. He goes, oh, okay, yeah, Hard Rock Cafe. That's what he said. So, like, three times in the conversation, he goes, okay, I'll see you at the Hard Rock Cafe. And it's like, yeah, I'm not even going to correct you. I just, you know the location. I'll, I'll see you there yeah, Saturday yeah, night. Yeah, Once you get to the intersection, you're going to realize, yeah, that's not there anymore. So You know, Kenny, I mean, he's getting up there at age right now, too. And, you know, he, he might see that and might turn around and say, wait a minute. Where's the Hard Rock Cafe? It's not here. I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm on the corner. Where's the ring? I'm going to go home and watch it on TV. <laughs> So good points there, Frank. Yeah, appreciate yeah. that. I actually the first time I saw Johnny Lang was at the Hard Rock Cafe. Wow, because he was like he yeah. was still sixteen years old the or fifteen or whatever. Young the heck he bluesman was. at that yeah. point in time. Yeah, his his father was in the band with him, and his dad said, "Yeah, the reason I'm here is because I make sure that after we're done doing yeah. the show, then Johnny goes to bed because it's past his curfew, and I get to go out and enjoy yeah. Vegas." <laughs> so yeah, that that'll be the first time there. So yeah, Monday. We've got to do a, a little recap of the venue itself. And I'll roam around that venue. I'll check out some food options. No doubt about it. So, yeah, I'm curious. Is it the same? Is it different? You have know? they announced a, a yeah. concert lineup yet? I don't think they have there. Because yeah. the perfect band to open up the new theater at the Virgin. Madonna? It's got to be <laughs> Cherry Pop and Daddies. <laughs> see. Didn't know where I was going with the Madonna thing. That's, that was kind of a slam. I could kind of see Madonna, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like I, a virgin. I, I, get well, yeah. yeah. Well, I, 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 you remember when Howie Mandel was actually still a comedian instead of just doing, yeah. like, all these shows? I remember one joke that I thought that he said was pretty funny years ago at the MTV, the, the Music Awards. And he said, what happened to Madonna? Last year was like a virgin. Now she's, like, pregnant yeah. because she did Papa Don't Preach a year later. That's true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what do you play now? Oh, okay. Okay. Look at this. Got a cherry pop. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Tonight, T-Mobile Arena. Get there early. Beat your traffic. Beat whatever you got to do. And hopefully the Golden Knights beat the Colorado Avalanche. Are we going to have a game seven? We break it down for you right here on the T.C. Martin Show. You like that? I don't know. I went with a kind of a game show voice there. I don't know where that came from. I do actually like this. So, good call. Yeah. You know, not I, I like them too. Yeah. So I, I don't know if they're still together. <laughs> I have no idea. They could maybe do a reunion tour. I have no. I haven't heard anything from yeah. them in a long time. But then I'm a little bit out of the music scene. Like I don't know about you, but when I see like one of these music award shows on yeah. TV, half the time I look at, it, I go, "Okay, I've heard that name. Yeah. Have no idea what any yeah, of them do." Yeah, and that's when you go back to Nickelodeon or, or you know whatever your TV yeah. land or whatever. You know, I mean, I, I tend to see them more like if I'm looking at TMZ Sports yeah. or something. Like I just saw White Whitecliff Jean. Well, you're right. You know, right, right, right. You know, and I, I saw. Well, no, he, he's now seriously talking about getting into the MMA world and wants to be a professional oh, MMA sure. fighter. There you go. It's like, why not? Everybody else is. I just think you uh, wanted to hear this because you love talking about popping cherries. Well, I mean, it's, it's, come on, it's, it's the Virgin. It's, it's a perfect opening act. I just don't know if they're going to have to change the name again after they perform. <laughs> All right, Game Six tonight. Closeout situation. Is it done or not? I have a feeling that Vegas is going to win because I think. Are you hooked on a feeling though? Uh, no, no. Okay, he, BJ Thomas. Yeah, well, he just passed away recently yeah. too. So may he rest in peace. Yeah, but um, no, I'm not. You don't, you don't need feeling. to play that one. <laughs> I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not hooked on a feeling. I do like. That I mean, song, this, this has been an interesting series because I think Vegas has dominated the majority of the play. First goals hasn't necessarily meant that much. I, if I'm Colorado, I'm very nervous right now. 
Because they have to get out strong, but even getting out strong hasn't necessarily worked the last couple games for them. They need to find a way to sustain and play a full 60 minutes. And the thing is, they've got to find a way to beat Marc-Andre Fleury. Not just on a fluke shot here and there, but they have to sustain it and then play defense in front of Grubauer and not turn the puck over. I don't know if they're capable of doing that right now because I haven't seen it in the last couple of games. And if you don't think that the Vegas Golden Knights are loose and ready for this game, and I think in a game six like this, an elimination game, that's important to be that way. Uh, Vince Sapienza just sent out a video of Jonathan Marshall hiding the, hiding the sticks of Marc-Andre Fleury and uh, Coughlin today. They come out, they're looking for their six, and they get... So they're still having fun. I mean, these guys are about as loose as a team can be going into an elimination game for a team that historically hasn't been that great in elimination games. Yeah, and you know what causes that? Winning. Winning oh, absolutely. And, and I well, know... but, but also a goalie like Marc-Andre Fleury yes. causes it. He keeps everybody yeah. else loose yeah. and feeling good and yeah. feeling like... Again, you look back and then you see him between the pipes, you go, three Stanley Cups, probably going to be third all-time in wins... He's breaking records almost every time he hits the ice. Why shouldn't we feel confident? And and at his age now, he's playing better than he has arguably in his entire career. When you get a team that is just rolling right now, and again, that win, winning cures everything. It cures the blues. It cures, you know, people kind of hanging their head a little bit, or you know, even if certain players aren't playing real well, your teammates are picking you up. That camaraderie really starts to build when you're winning. And the Houston Astros are going through that right now as well, too. And just hearing Dusty talk about this the other day about how everybody is so loose right now. They're playing good. Like same thing, like uh, Yuli Gurriel's birthday the other day. And they're just like, you know, having a party for him in in the clubhouse with cake and everything of that nature. And then it carried over into the dugout and they went into Boston. They scored another eight runs. I mean, they're on they're on a roll right now. They're 11 games over 500 playing well. And it's all because, you know, this this chemistry, this vibe, they got everybody healthy back. You mentioned the Golden Knights. They're winning right now. They're one game away from advancing on. I used to see so much of this in the locker room at Lambeau Field with the Packers. And when did you see these guys like kind of playing playful pranks on each other or doing this stuff? When they were winning, when they were losing or things were bad or there's any controversy or any, you know, clouds or circus going on. None of that stuff, you know, happened. You can always tell when you walk into a clubhouse or a locker room that, you know, or, you know, practices, that sort of thing, how a team is performing. I see with the aces all the time as well, too. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's the exact same thing. It's so cool. It's very cool. Yeah. The old adage of winning cures everything. There's a lot of truth to that. And you know where you can really see it even more so a little bit? In individual sports, because in team sports, you see it, but, you know, certain players are looser. You know, people are a little bit different. But like, again, I'll I'll go back to tennis because I'm a big tennis fan. When somebody's winning and rolling, the injuries in that, they kind of play through them. They might have them nagging, but then they're going. But, boy, when they miss a point, all of a sudden that hammy's a little tighter. They call a trainer over in that. It's the mental aspect of it as well. When you're winning, you think, I can do anything and I can get through this. I can work my way through it. But when you're losing, it becomes the excuse for, well, this is why I'm losing because, look, I'm injured, I'm hurt or something like that here. You certainly know it up in Green Bay with the guy who's the off-season drama, all this. Aaron Rodgers, when was the last time you didn't see this guy limping around the field, especially in a big game or something like that, and then he makes a 16-yard scamper for the first down and the media's like, oh, what a guy. Look at that effort. Look at this. I mean, my God, in baseball, the bloody sock. 
yeah. from years Kurt ago. Kurt Schilling, yep. I mean, come on. So he's got a little cut. Are you kidding me? I mean, but it's amazing how all that stuff it does get. It's out in the front net. And, yeah, I mean, when you're winning, you play through stuff. When you're losing, that's why I lost. I wasn't 100%. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, how often are people really 100%? Oh, well, no one is 100%, especially once you get uh, you know, to this you know, point of the season. I mean, once you well, play a couple games. I'm talking about just people in general. Yeah, I yeah. woke up this morning. I'm not 100% today. My head is killing me. Yeah. All right. <laughs> But we don't need to put you on the IL yet, right? Okay. Are you are you a game time decision? You got upper no, body no, or I'm lower here. body? No, I'm here. That'd be upper body, right? I'll, per, I'll perform. If if we're if we're going well, to the it, NHL, it'd be it's, upper it's body. Top, it's the top of my head. It's about as upper yeah. as I can get. Yeah. So depends though. If you're laying down, would that be? Well, it depends. Upper? Would be lower body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's very nice. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you don't. We don't go into any detail and have any <laughs> photographs of that, okay? No, I, 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 yeah. I, I'm old. I'm not that old. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Craziness. All right, so I'm not going to be the black cloud here, but this game— Are you going to be the silver lining? It, it could be. <laughs> could be. But the Colorado Avalanche, they're going to show up tonight. They're going to show up. There has not been one time this year— that the Avalanche have lost four games. They've never lost four games in a row. We talked to never uh, played the Golden Knights in a four games that, in a row either before. That, that, you know, it, in a division where you're playing LA, Anaheim, St. Louis, Arizona, yeah. right? It's almost hard yeah. to lose four yeah. games in a row. Yeah. And <laughs> so we're going to talk to Scott Spritzer about this later. He, Scott's going to join us too for, from the gambling side of it too. The Golden Knights are a dollar thirty-five favorite tonight. And are you surprised that it's that low? I'm actually surprised that it's not a little bit higher. With winning the three games in a row, and again, the chance that, that, that basically they've outplayed them the last four. With three, three to two games where, I mean, we're, we're hitting posts, we're, we're all this stuff. I mean, game of inches like we always talk about doesn't surprise me just because. Okay, so the answer is no. Yeah, it, the answer is no. I say the answer is no. I mean, 130, <laughs> honestly, I mean, I thought maybe 150, 145, See, 150. that's what I was thinking. And, and again, that, that, that's but, why I said a, a little higher. I was, but, I was thinking about 145. But they still are the number one seed. I know it, b- barely their number one seed, the Colorado Avalanche. But, um, you know, you look at the series prices here. You could have had the Golden Knights at plus 500 last Friday before game three. And now, if you want the Colorado Avalanche, plus 425. And you can still get them. And there are people that are betting them because the logic is if they get this game tonight. And they've won on the road before. They can get the game. Of course they can. Then, boom, game seven. Now you have all this plus money and you got home ice. What I'm trying to say here is I can't figure this out. I'm not going to for- force a bet on this game tonight because I cannot figure it It literally is a coin flip game to me. If I have faith in the Colorado Avalanche, like I thought I did in game number five, I thought backs against the wall, they're going to show up. And they did show up. They did show up. But then... They got crazy. They got stupid. Call it lazy. Call it careless. Reckless. They and they did. The puck over. And I and in in their losses, that's exactly what's happened. I've got to believe that they're going to really be focused tonight and not let that happen again tonight. And again, I don't care one way or the other. I'd love to see the Golden Knights win. And if the Golden Knights win in Game Six, that's fantastic. I can make that argument. Hey, there's some great value there for laying only 135 with a home team that you rarely see those kind of odds. I mean, think about it. They were they were minus 105, minus 110 in game number four here, and they got the job done. Same thing in game number three. 
So it is hard to figure what is going to happen. I guess what I'm trying to say is if Colorado shows up tonight and they win, it would not surprise me that we have a Game 7. And deservedly so, it seems like it would be great to have Game 7s because as we know, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, Game 7s are the best. They are the best. I don't care what round. I mean, they are the best. Obviously, yeah, sure. la- later on. Yeah, I mean, they're, in, in, they're the, in the championship meaningful. round, it's even yeah. more so. But yeah, but, yeah. But, but of everything you said there, what I heard was if you're wise with your money management and you could have got Vegas at plus 500 and you could now get Colorado at plus 425, if you were patient enough and waited, you could have bet both of those teams with the plus monies they had and hedge the bets there against each go. other and won. Correct. You would be a yeah. guaranteed winner right now right. if you would have had the patience to wait and see where the lines go That's with true. the way that they've gone like that. And you'd still be getting worse two to one on yeah. it. Yeah. You you could be be sitting on this thing right now. And again, look, look at that. Then you could go go six, go seven. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care. I'm cashing a ticket yeah. at the end of it, it all. There you go. That's it. And so. that's one thing that I know Scott and all handicappers have said since I first got into town. Money management. That's that's it. That's the game. I mean, if you're a professional at this, that's where yeah. it starts yeah. and ends. Forget with. about the million-dollar player from the USA right. Today with Dan Pastorini years ago <laughs> where he had all that sort of stuff, and he was like, guaranteed winners here and there. It's about managing your money. Yeah. <laughs> so the Gold Knights, they got over the hump. They snapped that three-game uh, road losing streak in Colorado after game five. They snapped Colorado's home winning streak. We had talked about that 13 in a row. So, yeah, I, I, I understand where the Avalanche are at right now. I mean, they, they were hanging their head after that game, but they know they, they've got to show up. And this whole season could all be for naught, and they could go by the wayside after losing four consecutive games. I mean, that's, that could happen here. I and that would be a horrible yeah. way for them to end yeah. a President's yeah. Trophy winning season. Yeah. The one thing Colorado knows for 100% certainty, they're going back to Colorado. They're going back to Denver after tonight. The question is, are the Vegas Golden Knights joining them right. on that trip back right. there? And, and here's the thing, too, and I'll speak for you because I think we've talked enough about this series, that we, nothing surprises us in this series, and we both thought that both teams you know, had the advantage or was going to win this series. And we talked about Colorado in, in Game 1, and then when Colorado got Game 2, it was like, well, even though the Golden Knights, you, know, you can make the argument they outplayed them. And even before the series started, it was like, Golden Knights are going to have a tough time beating Colorado. I mean, this is going to be the matchup because we saw the great regular season meetings when they split four and four, and going back to that Tahoe situation where Colorado was definitely the better team, you know, that weekend. And then when the Golden Knights came back and won three and four, we were both saying, you know, this Golden Knights are probably going to win this series. Yeah, before Game Four, I mentioned up there when we were talking amongst everybody, and I think I said it on the show here too. If they win tonight, I think they're. They're winning this oh. series and probably going to the Stanley Cup final. And again, that's not a slight against Montreal. I think it's just reality. I I think Montreal has been a nice story. I I think they're only going to the next round, the third round, because somebody from the Canadian division had to. Yeah, and it sounds like we're all over the place here, which which is true. But that's the beauty of playoff hockey and the the beauty of this series. You have two great teams. That, and I like to say they are kind of mirror images of each other, the way they play, the way they skate. There's similarities. The, there are similarities, you know, especially in goal. Strong in net. Too. Yeah, you know, exactly. Good, solid yeah. blue lines at the defense. Which makes man. it very unpredictable. You know, top, top couple lines really dominate the way they go a little bit. More physical beyond that. 
Yeah. So, yeah, uh, both play with a lot of confidence, skilled players, but also the, the guys that aren't afraid to go in the corner and do the, the, the tough stuff. Some young talent there mixed in with some veteran talent. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's definitely similarities between these two teams. Mm-hmm. And remember, too, when Vegas first came to town, and one of the things that Bill Foley said at the original, and I'm actually surprised that nobody has brought this up during this series. One of Bill Foley's first things when we all met at the top of the stratosphere <laughs> and we were looking out and people said, why are we up at the stratosphere? And he said, because we're not just the city of Las Vegas. We go far beyond what you can see here, and we are going to be the team of the Rocky Mountains. Right. And I thought, I remember saying to him when I interviewed him after that, I'm like, have you informed the, the Colorado Avalanche of this, that you're the team of the Rocky Mountains? But that's why he went with the AT&T Sportsnet, because they had all the coverage throughout yeah. the Rockies and all the states and that sort of stuff. And I'm surprised that with Colorado and Vegas meeting here, because they're normally in different divisions, but with this crazy year they're in the same, that nobody's brought up that this is kind of the battle for the Rocky Mountains. It, it really is. And with Bill Foley, got to remember, too, when, when he did that deal, that was really the only option. That he had because he wanted to do a regional sports network and Vegas didn't have one. And you weren't going to do the Southern California, you know, version of the regional sports network. So that kind of made sense. Well, he also literally you said know? that he went with AT&T Sportsnet because that's what he could get on his ranch. Right. Exactly. So that he could yeah. if he did, if he went with anybody but, else, he wouldn't have been able to watch the games right. on his. It's true. At, at his right. abode and his in Montana, acres there, right? and yeah, acres right. and yeah, acres right. of and, and let's be honest, too. They had availability. I mean, if you watch, oh, sure. that, they got plenty of availability on there, and that's why you see so many of the replays with the Golden. Well, fit you in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, some breaking news here: uh, Colorado Avalanche uh, head coach uh, Jer- Jared uh, Bednar was not at uh, morning skate today. They said he is now in cr- uh, COVID protocol. So he's a game time decision. So he's a game time decision. Whoa. And think about this: about making those. Those line adjustments in the third period, or you got to go OT or whatever, uh, not saying for sure, because again, it could be a false positive. You don't know, but he was not at morning skate. So there is plenty of concern right now with the Colorado Avalanche as they get ready to hit the ice here in a couple hours. It's going to be weird if he's not playing and the entire team isn't watching the ice because they're turned around looking at the Zoom call from Bednar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a wacky type of year. You know. it, it, it just goes to show, it, folks, it still isn't over. No. The, the the insanity continues on. Game six of a playoff series, a second-round playoff series, and you may be playing without your head coach. But we saw this in the first round with the Golden Knights as well, too. You know? And well, we, and ju- we just saw Braden McNabb come back a couple games ago. You, you know, right. I mean, he was sitting out. You know, as important as Bednar is behind the bench, I think the key players might be more important, making sure that you have well, them on sure, the ice. Sure, but you want your head coach oh, there. You absolutely for want your an head elimination coach game. There. Yeah, no doubt. You know, so it sounds like uh, again. So I think more than likely he will probably be there. Uh, uh, there's some reports out there saying that that he expects to be cleared, uh, but there was a, like a testing era. era Irregularity. Thank Irregularity, you yes. Yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> Can't say that regularly. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll continue to monitor this but right now. But, uh, but yeah, he missed the morning skate, so that caused all kinds of concern and havoc. And uh, it was COVID protocols. They're being safe. So, you know, a lot of testing going on right now. So Bednar might be bedridden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. When we come back, we talk a little boxing with the legend himself. Bob Arum. Hey, this is Tyson Fury, a.k.a. the Gypsy King. 
an army here today, ripping it up with T.C. Martin. California. All right. Tyson Fury is not here today, but uh, we got something better, of course. We got the Hall of Famer. We got the legend himself and Top Rank Boxing's president, CEO, the man, the myth, the legend, Bob Aaron. Bob, how you doing, my man? Really good, really good. I just came from the new Virgin Hotel, which is going to be the site of three, uh, these next three weekends, Saturday night, uh, great championship boxing, uh, which will be uh, televised on ESPN. Yeah, Bob, looking forward to it. It's uh, five, four fight cards that you've, you're going to be doing here at the Virgin. You did one a couple weeks ago, and then you got sure. three more coming. Uh, tell us how the Virgin deal came about. Well, uh, it was strange. Uh, during the uh, uh, the basketball, the college basketball, uh, Coach K was in town, and uh, Elaine Wynn, who's a great friend of my wife and myself, invited us uh, to watch the, ga- the game uh, in a private room uh, at the Virgin at the steak restaurant. And the uh, Bosworth uh, Boz, uh, the uh, CEO, came there and started talking to me about boxing. And before you knew it, we made a deal for four shows uh, at the Virgin. Uh, the first one was May 22nd, uh, the great unification match between Taylor and Ramirez, which did a huge rating on ESPN. Uh, and now we have Shakur Stevenson against an undefeated African uh, uh, on Saturday night. And then the following week, we have the monster, uh, Inoue, from Japan, uh, fighting the number one contender of Filipino, the Sham Race. Uh, and then uh, on the 26th of June, we have uh, the great uh, uh, Vasil uh, Lomachenko uh, fighting uh, the, the uh, hard-punching Nakatani from Japan, uh, who last was seen in Las Vegas during the pandemic, uh, knocking out Verdejo in a sensational fight. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it, it, it's it, the and the cards are really good. For example, Saturday night people. Should come early, uh, as early as three thirty, because we have these preliminary fights that are going to be on ESPN Plus, and in two of the fights we have uh, young men who will be off to Tokyo representing the United States on the Olympic boxing team, uh, Troy Isley and Duke Reagan, two terrific young fighters, and uh, you know now. Uh, pros with a limited uh, experience can uh, perform at the Olympics. Uh, And those two young men will be representing the United States boxing team at the Olympics. Yeah, it's great, Bob, that we have boxing back. And, you know, we've talked about it so many times with you before. 
that, you know, during the pandemic, I mean, you jumped right in along with ESPN. And even though we didn't have these shows that were open to the public, at least, you know, boxing was back now with uh, full capacity back. Uh, don't you feel that this kind of has the feeling the way it was back in the day? You know, remember those days when we had those regular shows and you did these regular shows at, at various places? I mean, I'll go back to the Aladdin and the Hacienda and then, of course, you know, yeah, the, the exactly. major show. Yeah, I mean, this, you know, this feels like those days again, which for us boxing purists and enthusiasts, we love it. Yeah, particularly, you know, since we now have uh, ESPN so active in the field, uh, top-ranked programs for it, uh, Fox uh, does a lot of shows, Showtime. Uh, so there's a lot of activity uh, in boxing, and I think that's very good. Bob, obviously the fighters are excited to be fighting on ESPN where they can be seen by everybody, but how excited are they? Uh, what's the buzz around the weigh-ins and everything else even, just the fact that they're going to be fighting in front of live crowds again? I think that's great, and as an added bonus, we just entered into a uh, four-year agreement with Sky Sports, the big uh, sport channel, uh, in um, the UK, and all of our fights for the next four years, starting with Saturday night, will be seen uh, in the UK on Sky Sports. All right, great stuff. All right, Bob Arum uh, joins us, top-ranked boxing. Remember, three great weekends coming up, and it starts this Saturday night. Shakur Stevenson against Jeremiah Nagathelia. Nagathelia, 21-1, 10 straight knockouts, and we know all about Shakur Stevenson at 15-0. Bob, talk a little bit about this main event. Well, you know, it, 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 Shakur, if I've predicted, will be the face of boxing Within the next three or four years, he's enormously talented, uh, and he's a hard-working kid. Uh, but again, uh, and this is test, uh, traditional for uh, uh, up-and-coming superstars. He, he faces a, a tough, tough guy in this knockout artist uh, from Nambia, uh, who, as you said, has won his last 10 fights uh, all by knockouts. So, uh, you know, uh, Shakur will have his hands full, and it should be a very interesting fight. And then the the main undercard fight uh, is also terrific. It's a 140-pound battle. Jose Pedraza, who's two-time world champion, be fighting against Julian Rodriguez of New York, who uh, is undefeated and a big knockout guy. Hammerhands. So that, That's what he's called. Hammerhands from New York. Hammerhands. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> terrific. You know, and again, you know, he have a Puerto Rican and a Dominican fighting, and uh, uh, you say, what the hell are they doing out in West fighting? Well, because. Uh, we weren't sure anything else was going to be open. Now New York and New Jersey is going to be open for sports. So uh, these guys uh, will be seen, uh, uh, at least the winner will, uh, this uh, fall and winter, probably in Madison Square Garden. All right. Bob so I, I'm really pumped. 
All right. I know everyone's pumped for live boxing back here. Crowds back in the building. Outstanding. And as you know, Bob, people are very excited to see Tyson Fury again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let me tell you what, 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 because, and I'm trying to figure out why. The, the demand for tickets and the buzz for Fury's fight with Wilder now is even greater than it was uh, last year when they fought February 22nd at the MGM Grand. And I'm trying to figure out why the demand is, is greater now. And I think it's really because uh, Fury has, in effect, become a Las Vegan. Yeah, he's identified himself with the American market, with Las Vegas. He's bought himself a home where his family's going to live uh, uh, starting uh, uh, sometime in the fall uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, and so he's endearing himself to the U.S. public. And the demand for tickets for the fight, and we haven't even announced it, we'll announce it on Tuesday uh, officially, and then there's a pre-sale. There are hardly any tickets available. <laughs> and, you know, and the uh, uh, T-Mobile uh, seats for boxing close to 20000 so we're talking July 24th, T-Mobile Arena, Fury Wilder 3, right? And like I said, you know, it's not official yet, but Tuesday, uh, basically the world's going to know about this, right? Exactly correct. Okay, great. So talk about the difficulty that you went through with this process of gearing, not just this fight, Bob, but just getting Tyson Fury his next fight because we know that he's been pretty inactive. And it's a little bit strange because, remember, when you signed him, this guy was it was beautiful because he was the most active fighter out there. And yeah. especially for heavyweights, we didn't see this. I mean, Fury had six fights between 2018 and 2020. Basically, it was even less than that, almost a little more than a year and a half where he had these six fights. And now he's gone over a year without fighting. Talk a little bit about that. Well, you can talk about the pandemic. You know? Yeah, yeah. It, he, it was tough getting him over here. And, you know... Uh, it was tough doing a fight uh, without a gate, with you know considering uh, the purse structure for Tyson, uh, and uh, and then of course we we assumed based on the contract that there was no obligation on his part further to fight Wilder, uh, so we worked very hard to make a. A Joshua unification fight happened, uh, and then uh, uh, the Wilder people took it to arbitration. The arbitrator said that, no, they we, he still had the obligation to fight Wilder, and so that's why the fight's happening. Now, you know, people say, what, what did you think of that arbitration ruling? Well, it's like a baseball if a pitcher throws a ball right over the plate, which is a strike, and the umpire calls it a ball, then what is the pitch? It's a ball because the umpire called it a ball. No matter how you might object, the fact that it was really a strike because it was right in the strike zone. Same thing. We didn't think 
that there was much of a chance that we would lose the matter before the arbitrator. The arbitrator thought differently. So we were, Tyson Fury was obligated to give Wilder another shot. And that's what we're going to do on July 24th. Bob, you mentioned the fact that Tyson Fury has ingratiated himself in this community, become part of Las Vegas, and I'm sure that's part of it. But it also seems like he's more well-known than he was before, too, with viral videos like when he's hitting the punching bag and it comes out of the ceiling, with you know going to a Golden Knights game and sounding the horn. And just overall, I think his story's out there more. Maybe it's because of the pandemic a little bit where people were kind of locked up and watching more stuff, but it seems to me like his story has really reached more of the masses than that, too, and I think that's also led to his popularity a lot. Well, I think that's true. That's so. And because, you know, he is the kind of character that he is, uh, uh, you know, when people get an opp- got an opportunity to see him in action, you know, he's, he, he's as Las Vegas as El- Elvis Presley was. <laughs> You know, there's something about Tyson Fury which sort of, uh, you know, makes him uh, sort of synonymous with Las Vegas. You know, big, brash, uh, say, you know, but yet with the ability to entertain. And that's like Vegas's. No, and he does fit perfectly. And I remember when he had his first fight here, when you guys kind of did the press conference where you guys were just sitting on stools up there, and it was it was more like like a, a talk show, and it was so fun. And and this was you know very uh, it was unique at that point in time. And this very guy, casual, he very casual, and he just relishes this opportunity. And like we when we've yeah, had him absolutely. on and we talked to him, it's it's great. It, 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 he's a perfect fit not only for for Vegas but just. The, the world of professional boxing and, and, yeah, and a great marriage yeah. with you guys uh, as well. There's no question about and it. And he has the same ability to connect with the public like Muhammad Ali had. Right, absolutely. You know, and that's something that can't be fake. It's got to be natural. All right. Uh, so, Bob, we talked about uh, Tyson Fury, Vasily Lomachenko. He's coming back here in a couple weeks. Looking forward to seeing him. Uh, you got a great stable of fighters, as we know. Shakur Stevenson, we'll see him Saturday night. And I know a lot of people want to know what is up with Terrence Crawford. What can you tell us uh, about Terrence? And when is he going to get back in the ring? And what's the relationship with him like now? Well, we have a meeting uh, tomorrow morning in my office. Okay. And, what time uh, do you want me there? and we hope to have him back in action beginning of October and uh, you know we'll announce all the details after we iron everything out uh, at the meeting tomorrow All right, great stuff All right, Bob, uh, switching gears a little bit I know you're a long time New York Giants uh, fan, you love the New York sports and everything and uh, a a very good friend of ours here, uh, Jim Fossil passed away a couple days ago, we did a tribute to Jim the other day on the show. I just spoke with him last week, believe it or not. Uh, and I know that you love those giant teams. Uh, do you got a, a few words that uh, or memories about Jim Fossil? Yeah, he was a great coach. Uh, I really didn't know him personally, but obviously I'm a tremendous supporter of the, of the Giants. 
you know, I've had season tickets since 1957, if you could believe it. And when they were playing in Yankee Stadium, and now I have eight uh, seats in the Meadowlands, even though I don't live in New York. But uh, so I followed the Giants, and I remember that year when they had looked like the team was sort of mediocre, uh, and he sort of, uh, and they didn't start off great, and he sort of willed them. Uh, into the playoffs, and they caught fire in the playoffs uh, and made it to the uh, Super Bowl. Uh, I think it was in Tampa, the Super Bowl was held. Right. Uh, and uh, uh, the Ravens were way too much for, the, for them, and they lost to the Ravens. I was there for that Super Bowl uh, in Tampa. Uh, I took my son. And uh, uh, he, they were really overperformed at that point, and it was all due to uh, the coach they had, Jim Post. All right, great memories there, Bob. Uh, great memories. All right, my friend. Uh, again, top ranked boxing ESPN this coming Saturday night. Actually, for the next three Saturdays, the Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas. Do you like that venue, Bob? Is it is it similar to the Hard Rocks Joint? Did they do anything to it? Because it's better. It's better. It's better. It, uh, they they've really made upgrades. Every seat is a great, great seat. The hotel is. Uh, uh, tremendous. They have good restaurants, and uh, uh, I think the setup in the casino is a lot better than it was at the Hard Rock. But people should come over and watch it. There's still a couple, a few hundred tickets left, uh, and uh, it's a great night of boxing. Um, you know, people uh, should come over. I mean, it's it, it's a real experience. It's like we have. Uh, all these young guys fighting in the early fights, including two future Olympians, uh, and then uh, the semi-main and the main event. Uh, following week, we have this phenomenon, the, the kid they call the monster. Yes. Uh, Inoue from Japan. He's a beautiful boxer, and you get sort of mesmerized by his boxing ability. Boom, he hits you and knocks you out. I mean, for a 118-pounder, which is the Bantamweight champion, to, to knock out virtually all his opponents is unheard of. But Inouye does that, and he's in with a tough Filipino, the mandatory contender. And so that should be a, a really interesting fight. And we have a women's championship with Michaela Mayer. Uh, who's a former U.S. Olympian? She'll be fighting on that uh, on the card. Uh, so uh, again, the 19th is a great show, and then on the 26th we had Lomachenko against Nakatani, which is a terrific lightweight match, and then a uh, middleweight elimination match uh, with uh, Rob Brandt, the former champion fighting against this Kazakhstan phenomenon, uh, Janabek from Kazakhstan, who is can punch like a mule with both hands. It should be very, very interesting. 
Hey, Bob, I've noticed you've said a, a couple times now that you have a couple fighters on the card that are going to be uh, representing the USA in the Olympics. What is the excitement level for young fighters right now of going to Tokyo for the Olympics? Because I know some people are excited about it, and some athletes are have their reservations about going over there. Well, these guys were top amateurs. They've uh, turned pro, and they have two or three professional fights. And uh, they told me this morning uh, that these two kids, Reagan, uh, uh, Reagan being one and Isley being the other, uh, have been selected for the U.S. team. And they'll be on their way to Tokyo soon after they fight here on Saturday. All right. Because, you know, pros who have limited uh, number of fights, a uh, number of professional fights can now uh, uh, participate in the Olympics. Right, and that is a, a change. Do you like that? Yeah, I think it's yeah. a good idea. Yeah, great stuff. All right, Bob, we'll let you go. Appreciate the time, as always, my friend, and we'll look forward to seeing you on Saturday night. We'll definitely be there. Looking forward to seeing Shakur Stevenson and Jeremiah Nakathelia. And uh, like you said, next couple of weeks, uh, we'll be there every Saturday night uh, checking all, them all right. out. Well, that's, that's good, TC. Good Good talking to you, man. Okay, buddy. I'll see you Saturday. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. All right. There he is, Bob Arum. And then Tuesday, the official announcement coming, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder 3. So knockout Saturday at the New Virgin Hotel Casino in the theater. And Vegas Golden Knights hoping to knock out the Avalanche tonight at uh, T-Mobile. There you go. There you go. Got to love it. And then Tuesday, the big uh, announcement of the... Wilder and uh and Fury three. There you go. Yeah. And, and, and who knows crazy. what's who know, who knows what's yeah. gonna happen. Yeah. That's why I didn't say that. knockout in that fight, yeah. but uh well, it's likely, very likely very likely a knockout. No <laughs> yeah. question you, about you it. You might wanna you might not want to bet the distance in it. All right. All right, uh great stuff. Look forward to that. All right. If you would like to go to the fights this Saturday night, we've got a pair of tickets for you. All you have to do is just uh, give us a call. 702-221-7283. Top-ranked boxing on ESPN at the new Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. 702-221-7283. We're not going to make you beg. We're not going to make you do anything. Uh, you want to go, uh, boom. We'll take, uh, we'll take the first caller to chime in with that, and uh, you'll be going to the Virgin Hotels uh, Las Vegas and check it all out. And it's going to be a great card, of course. Um, Presented by Bob Rank, Top Aram, and ESPN. And bring your Sharpie with you because you might run into the one, the only T.C. Martin there. <laughs> Not might. You, you, you will. There you go. You might I'm going to try, to get, ta- you, I'm gonna try might, to get you there, too, might, as well, Might too. even see him take him some food pics or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt about that. All right. What do you got, Numchuck? It what? looks like he's, he's, you, somebody wants to come on the phone, maybe, I guess. Maybe our winner? Yeah, well, okay. Let's see who we got. All right, let's go to the phones, and we'll, we're giving away. We'll do it pair, live. We'll get a pair of tickets here. All right, who's this? It's Slug. Well, who we got? Slug. Slug, what's going on, man? What's up, buddy? Okay, buddy. Uh, you want to go see some boxing Saturday night? Hell, hell yeah. Well, right. With a name like Slug, of course he does. I love Slug. Exactly. <laughs> that's going to be great. We're going to leave tickets and we'll call for Slug. I love that. You know, everyone has a nickname here, so that's good. <laughs> that, 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 that's good. You got a, you got a quick boxing take for us, Slug? Uh, 
Not, not in particular. Put me on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay, man. All right. You, you, I, you hope Tyson put, never come, I hope Tyson never comes back here. There, there's one. There you go. You, you kind of put yourself on the spot when you said you wanted to come on. So. Yeah, there you go. No, no problem. <laughs> All right, brother. All right, Numbchuck will get your information, tell you how to get your tickets, and we'll look forward to seeing you Saturday night for Top Rank Boxing Killer. ESPN. Thanks, guys. You got it, Slug. All right, there you go. All right. Cousin Punch is calling tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> as long as I don't have to deal with Pugsley, okay? Is Pugsley still around? I, I, he'd be he'd be older than Uncle Fester these days. So. <laughs> he could be older than Uncle Fester because Pugsley was younger than Fester. Well, Fester might be dead. When, that, when they die, don't they come back in that show or something like that? I don't know. Well, the Adams family probably. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. All right. I was always a cousin it guy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to thank Bob Aram uh, for joining us. Uh, next hour, we'll dive in a little bit more. Timothy Bradley's going to join us. Scott Spritzer as well. It's all happening for you on this thunderous Thursday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Ladies and gentlemen. Ali, a sneaky right hand. Another sneaky right hand. This time he works over the shoulder. Ballpark Frank with you on this thunderous Thursday. Don't forget, we've got boxing coming your way Saturday night at the Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. Shakur Stevenson in the main event, 15-0 against Jeremiah Nagathelia, 21-1. Ten consecutive knockouts for Nagathelia, so it's going to be a great main event. We also talked about Jose Pedraza. He's a two-time former world champion, so he is in the co-main event. And we just heard from Bob Arum. So looking forward to that Saturday night and the guy who will be on the call with ESPN, my man, Timothy Bradley, five-time hey, champ. Hey. I don't know. I don't know how many belts I, I've lost count, man. Five, six, seven, man, I eight, got five. Don't hey, See, I got, I got five. I know what time it is. <laughs> What's up with you, baby? How you doing, man? They call you the doctor. I know they call you the doctor. <laughs> they call me the doctor, man. I got my doctor's greens on right now, man. There you go. That's what's up, man. No, I what, say, what's say, going I, on? On Saturday, are you the fight doctor? No, Ferdy Pacheco's a <laughs> fight know? doctor. See, we know that. I, see. I, I, I don't think I'm the fight doctor. No, no, indeed. No, I don't want to be the fight doctor because somebody, somebody get knocked out, I believe, on Saturday. It's going to be a knockout, I believe, in the main event. Ooh, 
Ooh, now yeah, someone's getting knocked we'll, out. Now, go ahead, go into some detail. You're not saying that Shakur is going to get his first loss here now, are you? You're not going to go that no, far, no, are you, Tim? No, 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 absolutely not. Shakur is honestly, you know, he's the future of boxing, in my opinion, future pound for pound number one fighter in the world. I said it with Terrence Bud Crawford. I'm standing with Shakur Stevenson. And the reason why I say that is is because this is a young guy that understands distance. He's mastered distance. Something that Floyd Mayweather is, was brilliant at. He mastered dif- dif- distance, defense, very elusive. So Shakur. And Shakur's coming from the southpaw stance as well, which makes things even more difficult for guys. But let's talk about Saturday, man. He's fighting against Nakatia. Nakatila. Just drop the H. Nakatia. Exactly. Yeah, You're right. Drop the T. You're right. Drop the He's fighting against a, and a guy that, you know, come from a different country. So these guys are dangerous. These guys are dangerous. You don't know much about him. He's fought all of his fights over in his, in his own country. Um, he's coming over here. He's trying to, of course, embarrass uh, the young Shakur Stevenson. It's going to be a tough task for him. Uh, it's going to be an uphill battle for him, honestly, man. It's, it's really tough to even come over here to the U.S. and fight one of the best fighters of this generation, Shakur Stevenson. But... As far as stylistically goes, what he brings is he brings intensity. He has some height. He has some reach. And he has a right hand that can knock down a buffalo. Honestly, his right hand is devastating. He's coming to this fight with, I believe, a 9 or 10 knockout winning streak. So he's super confident coming in this fight. He said he's going to take it to Shakur Stevenson. He said he can hurt Shakur Stevenson. And we haven't seen Shakur in the ring with somebody that's that hungry and that determined, someone that's going to press him, someone that's going to get in his face and take his best and also dish that type of power, serious power that he's going to be dishing. So it's going to be very interesting uh, to see how Shakur deals with that. But I know Shakur, man. I've known him well. I've known him all his amateur career as well. He's going to figure things out. He's going to get in the inside. And that's where I see Nakatia. That's where I see him. Um, He's weak. He's weak in the inside. Shakur will find his distance, eventually get in the inside, break him down slowly. And I say this fight doesn't go past eight rounds. I'll be surprised if it goes past eight rounds. Right, that's it. We're going to the book, man. There it is. Tim Bradley. Let's go get the under. Let's go get Shakur. There you go. <laughs> and, and, you know, Shakur's, Shakur's 15-0, and people remember him from the Olympics. And, again, you know, Bob signed him, you know, right out of there. And this guy's had a, a great career, and a lot of people said, hey, eventually pound for pound. But I guess, Tim, maybe the one knock on him would be that he doesn't display that big knockout punch. And, and I think he's got it, but we just haven't seen it. For a lot of guys, as you know, when you're coming up, you usually see a lot of your early victories by KO. I mean, he's 15-0, and 0, yeah. I think it's what, seven or eight knockouts, that's all he has. So is that going to come back to hurt him down the road as the competition gets stiffer? Uh, you know, as the competition gets stiffer, it's harder and harder to knock guys out. you got to understand that this kid was had 13 professional fights, and now you won a world championship. So he's fighting top-notch, top-notch competition. But this is, a, a, I say, a lower-tier guy, a guy that we're not familiar with that he has to face. I expect, my expectations is to, to dispose of these type of guys. These guys don't belong in the ring with you. We're talking about that you're going to be the next pound-for-pound great. I know fans... American fans, they love knockouts. I personally love the skills. But what I feel is is that he has respectable punching power, but he has all these skills and abilities. So, like, he can figure a way to get these guys up out of there. Like, you don't have to. It can be more of a, 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 you know, hitting a guy 
over and over and over and slowly breaking him down and bewildering him. And then, you know, finally he either quits on the stool or, you know, his corner stops it or the referee stops it. He has that ability to do it, but he just needs to take a little bit more risk. Almost as what Devin Haney was trying to do. Devin Haney, when he fought against Lenars, he was going for the knockout and he got caught. He got hurt. <laughs> we never seen Devin Haney hurt. You know, he walked back funny to the corner. But, see, I want to see a young guy like Shakur in these type of situations trying to get the knockout, even if he has to take a little bit more risk. I understand being on the safe side, but this will help him grow later in his career, especially when he gets in there with someone like a Tank Davis or, uh, you know, um, Oscar Valdez, guys with tremendous punching power, you know, that have an ability to, to hurt him. So, you know, why not take the chance? Why not take the risk? Why not show the fans what you really, truly are made of? And so that way they can gravitate towards you even more because just as you said, they like to see knockouts. Yeah, and we got the speed, though. You're talking about bantamweights. You're talking about the lighter weights here. People love to see the speed, and you'll see that on display. Shakur Stevenson Saturday night at the Virgin Hotel Las Vegas. Timothy Bradley, the five-time champ and the commentator on ESPN, joins us now. How important is it to all these fighters on this card, whether they're the main event or just anybody else that's going to be on TV, for the exposure that's offered being on TV cards and getting their name out there? Because obviously everybody wants to make the big money, but you have to pay your mm-hmm. dues for it. But, I mean, this is a great way for them to get it. And, and, and how excited are you as a boxing, not only analyst and announcer, but also a fan of the sport, to see it again where more and more people are getting more exposure as we see more fights on TV, the free TV, so to speak that people can catch and then maybe remember them and say, hey, when they're uh, playing, fighting in a pay-per-view years later on, I want to buy it because I remember this guy back when. So to answer your first question, see, it's very important that any fighter that fights or just gets displayed on, uh, on national TV, you know, on cable TV, it's very important for them to, to really come out and perform at their very best. Now, you don't necessarily have to win the fight. Well, of course you want to win, but I'm just saying if you put up a good showing, if you put up a good fight, guess what? The network will pay to see you again. They will gladly pay to see you again. But if you go to get out there and you just, I don't know, you don't put your best foot forward and you look terrible and it's a boring fight, it's a snoozer, <laughs> Nine times out of ten, you're not going to come back and fight on TV. So any fighter that's on the card or even an undercard, you always want to show come 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 to this event and you want to show out. You always want to show out and do your very best. No added pressure whatsoever. Fight your fight, but be spectacular. Be the best that you possibly could be because you know these 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 opportunities don't come, man. They don't come often. And you know your second question is is that a lot of times like I love the fact that boxing is on television more often like you said that's back in the old days back in the old days the older days uh the 70s and in the 80s you know boxing was on television often it was on free free cable that's why all these guys are so popular the fact that we have it now it's great because now you don't have to pay the $50 that we had to pay. <laughs> Whoever paid that, they silly. Whoever paid that for that exhibition, they they, they crazy the, uh, this past weekend. <laughs> uh, we talked about that. Exactly. Unreal. Now, to be Unreal, on, be honest, did you watch any of it? Did you go get it for no, free? No, Anything? Any no, highlights? No, 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 no. Absolutely not, man. You know, fight fans shouldn't have to pay for things like that there at all. Go. So. You know, you're getting the best and the best. Uh, of course, it's going to give you more notoriety, uh, more exposure, fighting on, on, on cable TV. 
Uh, it's just great for the business in general and great for the fighter. Uh, I wish I could have fought on, on Free K, but I wish I could have fought on ESPN. I mean, I fought on HBO, which is great, and Showtime as well. But, man, you know, this is – many people are going to be watching these events. So uh, it's great for the fighter, man. All right. So we talk about Shakur. But here's another mm-hmm. – a guy who will be fighting here next week, Anui. They call him the monster, and not many mm. people are familiar with him, Tim. I want you to break this guy down because oh, I, I saw the fight uh, when he fought Donaire, and that was a war. That was a great fight, yeah, and was. not many people gave Donaire much of a shot. And now we saw what Nonito did just a couple weeks ago. I mean, he's back, and he's got himself another belt, and what he's doing is phenomenal. So you could, you could touch on Nonito, Donaire, if you want as well, too, but talk about Inui and what this guy brings. And, you know, we're going to be giving away tickets you know, uh, for this weekend, next weekend, and then Loma the following. People, mm-hmm. people need to see all three of these superstars because these guys in the main event, they're all superstars, but I don't yes, think are. people are ready for Inui. In a way, in a way, it's, it's very interesting because it, it's funny you say that because I watched him fight against Donaire. I was like, all right, he's all right. You know, I mean, he put up a hell of a fight. I mean, he showed what he's made of. He fought with a, a broken eye socket. That's 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 what this guy has. I mean, this guy has a big, huge heart. He's very determined. Uh, he has the will to win, but he's so skillful. When I saw him live, when I saw him fight against, I believe it was Jason Maloney, I was like, I was in awe. I, I, you know, Andre Ward, my partner, he was telling me, like, hey, this guy is really good. And I was like, ah, I see him on tape. I see some flaws. I see this. Yeah, he's all right. He's all right, you know. And then when I saw him in person, I mean, I was highly impressed with his work. I mean, he is very, very, very uh, methodical, uh, no wasted movement. I mean, everything he did in the ring was for a purpose. He even sometimes will put himself at risk. So that way he can deliver a shot. You know, a lot of times the guys, they, they're they not willing to take risks, but he will actually step in there and be take a shot, still be on balance, and still deliver uh, his his kill shots, which is he's, he's powerful in both hands. It doesn't matter. He can hit you with the uppercut, body shot. He does a little bit of everything. He's a great, phenomenal counterpuncher as well. Uh, he walks forward. He's not a guy that likes to fight off the back foot too often. He can, but he likes and he looks for the action. He's an action-packed fighter. Um, he's very entertaining. I would say him, he's top three. He's number three right now, pound for pound, in the game. It's, I think he's won three what, world championships in three different weight classes. Uh, this guy, he won the uh, 100, and I believe it was 100 and. 15 pound weight uh, tournament that they had, weight class tournament that they had. Uh, he beat Nonito Donaire. Um, he's, he's back at 118. I, I, he's at at 118 now. He's moved up. Could see him to go 122. He can go up even up even more north and fight at 126 if, if he wants to, if he shall decide. But he's a fantastic, fantastic fighter. I think the fans are going to like because he's super explosive and he does deliver great knockouts. Is there an eventual showdown here between him and Shakur coming? No, 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 absolutely not. I, I, I don't think so. I think, I think honestly, if there was a, a show with uh, with Shakur, it would probably be with the the next guy you had mentioned, and that was uh, 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 Lomachenko. Mm-hmm. I, I can see, I can see a fight between Shakur Stevenson and Lomachenko in the near future if Lomachenko continues to fight uh, in this game of boxing. Uh, I, I really do see it happening down the line. Uh, I don't know when, maybe a year from now, maybe a year and a half from now, but I do see those two mixing it up either at 130 or 135. All right, Tim Bradley joins us. All right, Tim, you mentioned Terrence Bud Crawford a little bit earlier. 
We talked to Bob. Bob says he's meeting with Terrence tomorrow, and uh, they're they're going to talk things over here. Uh, mm. wh- what do you think, man? Uh, you know, people are, are screaming. They want to see Terrence Crawford back in the ring, and you know, we know the welterweight division, and where a lot of those welterweights are hanging out with Al Heyman. We understand the politics of it all. Give me your take uh, about Terrence Crawford. What is next for him? Man, that's a great question. Um, honestly, I, I I don't know. Um, you know the the stable here, the stable here at say at top rank, and uh, the selection that he has is very slim. Um, you know, a lot of guys, like you said, uh, the the welterweight division is is totally with the Al Heyman side, uh, PBC side. So a lot of those guys are not willing to negotiate with Terrence Bud Crawford, which makes things even more difficult because Terrence Bud Crawford to me is the best welterweight in the world. I know Earl Spence will argue that and say, "Oh no, he's the best." I get it. He has two straps. He's going to get a third strap if he beats Manny Pacquiao here shortly in August. But you know. Terrence is kind of shut out right now. Um, he has nowhere to go. I don't know if he can fight against Sean Porter. I've heard that Sean Porter wanted to fight him, uh, you know, uh, three or four months ago. Uh, he was really pushing for the fight. Um, it never, nothing ever, uh, nothing ever materialized. So I don't know. I, I really don't know. I'm curious to see. Uh, I wish I could be a fly on the wall in the room with Terrence Crawford, Crawford and uh, Bob Arum when they do decide on what they're going to be doing next. But he's in a really, really rough patch right now. Uh, out of sight, out of mind. If he's not in the ring fighting, you're not getting better, and the fans will, will, will seriously forget about you. Terrence Bud Crawford needs a dance partner, and he needs one fast. And un- unfortunately, that is the the downside uh, of boxing yeah. with the different promoters if they can't work together in the politics. <clears throat> Going back to your career, Tim, how, mu- how much did, did politics uh, affect you as far as you know, big paydays and, and, and fights that you wanted or whatever. I mean, we, we see it well, all the time, thing. but uh, just give us, give us a one, one or two elements uh, that, uh, you know, where it affected you. Well, it, it, it did affect me, honestly. Um, at that time, I, I believe it was, shoot, I don't even know how many years ago. I retired 2016. It still was going on. It still was this divide between uh, PBC and uh, Top Rank and Golden Boy. It was still just like this division, this divider right between us. And, and so it was really hard to really get fights over uh, if I needed If I wanted to fight a welterweight over there, it was really hard to, to fight any welterweight over there. Uh, if if any welterweight over there wanted to come over to, to the T, the TR side, it was really hard to negotiate on the TR side. It, I think it went both both ways, back and forth. Um, I think it was one time where I think I was I was mentioned uh, the WBC somewhat said that they wanted me to fight against uh, Earl Spence. Earl Spence was like uh, I believe he was like the uh, they ordered it the fight at that time. Earl Spence was going a different route. Um, nobody really knows this. Nobody really talks about this. But he was going a different route. He was he was already in in negotiations and already has uh, sealed the deal with uh, with uh, Kell Brook at the time. Well, that was the only time that I, a PBC fighter was offered to me. Uh, it was just with a sanctioning body saying that hey, you should fight Earl Spence. We got you number one. He's number two. You guys should fight fight. And obviously, we didn't go that route. Um, but. At the end of the day, I got packed out three times. Uh, I was on the right side of the. I was on the right side of the street. I would say, and uh, I got paid a lot of money fighting against Manny Pacquiao. One of the best that ever do it, man. And you gave us some classics. You and Manny did outstanding stuff, man. man. Appreciate outstanding, you, standing man. No question.
You mentioned that it's hard to negotiate sometimes when you're doing different organizations like that. How do how do those negotiations go about? Do you have to make certain concessions? Do you have to know for sure what you won't uh, won't give up in a fight or something? I mean, is it give and take? Does one side have more leverage than the other, or does it depend on the opponent, the venue, and everything else? You got to understand that the leverage the leverage that each promoter has is is that you know they get to control the narrative, so. If you, <laughs> we've seen Fury and Wilder do it. It's possible, you know. It's possible. It can happen, and we're going to see Fury and Wilder do it again. And that's PBC and that's TR. So it's possible. I believe that the fighters, the fighters, the boxers, they have to just make it happen. They have to tell their promoter. They have to tell, hey, Al Al Heyman Spence got to say, hey, I want to fight Terrence Crawford. And Crawford, of course, we know he wants to fight Earl Spence. He said it on record many times. He stopped saying that he said it so much. But that's it. I mean, honestly, it's just the, it's up to the fighter. The fighter can get the promoter to do whatever they want. They really can. Now, as far as negotiations goes, you got to think about the networks. You have you have ESPN, you have you have PBC, Fox, or Showtime. You know, so you got the networks that got to come up with something. You know, no one wants to get left behind. You know, ESPN's going to want Crawford to fight on uh, ESPN. They're not going to want him to fight on any other network. Um, and the same thing goes for Spence. So you have networks, you have promoters, you have uh, differences, you know, with the fighters. Uh, but ultimately, at the end of the day, if something, if these guys want to fight, if they want to fight, they say, you know what, I'm not going to fight anymore until I fight Bud Crawford. I'm not going to fight anymore until I fight Earl Spence. It can happen. Mm. It truly can happen. All right, Timothy Bradley joins us. Tim, you mentioned Fury Wilder. We're going to get the official announcement on Tuesday. We know it's going to be July 24th here in Vegas at T-Mobile Arena. Uh, it's a little bit of a kind of a, a short-sighted uh, promotion, you know, a little yeah. over five weeks. But I think, uh, you know, people are anxious to get back in the building. They want to see these guys fight again. And But, you know, after that last fight that we saw, you know, last February, we weren't sure – if uh, you know, we wanted to see this again because of what mm. happened, how Tyson Fury just dominated Wilder. Let me ask you, do you, mm. do you think that we are going to see anything different from the last time they fought? Of course. Of course you're going to see something different. Mm. Uh, the reason why you're going to see something different is, is because Deontay Wilder has changed a lot about his camp. He's changed a lot about himself. Uh, that's the only reason why this fight's going to be different, honestly. We know what we're going to get from Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury already feels that he already, hey, I have a blueprint already. I'm going to put him on his back foot. I'm going to press forward. I'm going to battle the right hand. I'm going to take it away from him, and then I'm just going to shove it down his face, you know, with my right hand. You know, he, he showed us that, uh, you know, about a year, a little bit over a year ago, I would say 17 months or so yeah. ago, uh, and he still has that, that in his mind, and he knows that, psychologically going into this fight, Deontay Wilder making excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. He knows that he has the mental edge going into this fight. Like he said, I have everything. I have your belt. I have your soul. I, I practically beat you up. <laughs> you know, uh, your corner had to stop it. So, um, you know, it's going to be a big challenge mentally for Deontay Wilder this third time around. But I know he's going to be different. I know he's isolated. I see him training. I see his videos and things online. I like what I'm seeing. Uh, as long as Deontay Wilder don't try to be something that he's not, meaning like being this cute boxer and trying to move and look cute and stuff like that and dancing around, uh, I think he'll be fine. He just needs to be aggressive, more aggressive, uh, not tentative at all. 
He needs to let that right hand go as often and as much as possible. And he needs to be aggressive. He needs to be a beast in there, a dog. That's what he needs to be to be able to beat a guy like Tyson Fury, who can do a little bit of everything. So, um, yes, I think the fight's going to be different. I really do. I don't think it's going to be an easy fight for Tyson Fury. And that's why you see Tyson Fury going dark. You know, he's no longer on social media. He's he's quiet now. He's, he's totally focused because he knows that he's going to get an animal in Deontay Wilder, a guy that's going to try to get his belt back. You know, we know so, that, we know Bob likes to compare him to Muhammad Ali as far as yeah. just you know the showmanship and the way he talks yep. and everything, which is really cool. But you know, you could tell these guys really don't like each other, which is genuine. And sometimes, you know, it, it's not genuine. You and you and fan, fight fans can diagnose that when when it's not. Mm. Uh, over your time, give us give us a name or two that you felt was like, hey, you know. A, a real good trash talker. You know what I'm saying? Because we Kendall see Hall. it. We, say that again. Kendall Hall. Okay. Kendall Hall. Okay. Kendall Hall can talk some trash. Okay. Kendall Hall. Yeah, Kendall Hall. I fought him. He was the uh, WB, uh, WBO champion at the time. I was the WBC 140-pound uh, champion. Um, and I remember him, you know, talking during the press conference. I remember him talking. Actually, it was moments before we actually uh, – you know, the first bell rang. Uh, I went out, was in Montreal. Uh, I was at the Bell Center. And <laughs> he said to me, he said, you want to see this heart? Directly in front of me, inside of the mic, right as as we're, you know, uh, about to touch gloves. You want to see this heart? You want to see this heart? So I'm like, right there, fueled me. Oh, my goodness. I went out, I was raving inside. I was <laughs> like, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to kill this guy. So I went out. I went out, like, fast fast as I've ever done in, in any match. Forget about a forget about a fill out round or whatever. I was got totally aggressive and he hit me with this shot, dude, and knocked me on my behind, dude. <laughs> Honestly, he hit me with this left hook. Honestly, I was out on my feet. I was out, like literally I flew in the air and I, when I hit the ground, the ground woke me up. I just remember getting up and I remember feeling my elbow was kind of tingly and then I, I stood up and my right leg was completely numb, and I had this buzzing sensation in my my ear, like in my head, and I was like, "Oh my God, go away!" I took a knee for about eight seconds. I got back up, and then I was just like, "Oh snap, he's about to come towards me right now. I gotta survive." <laughs> but anyway, I finished the fight. I ended up winning the fight. Uh, but yeah, he was a major trash talker, man. He got under my skin, and that was a learning experience for me. Wow, that's that's crazy. That I almost had some visions of uh, the fight in in Carson, California. You know what I'm talking about? We're talking about getting oh. buzzed. You know what I mean? And I'm going like, yeah, that kind of Jesse, reminded me of that, that was Jesse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was Jesse. That was Jesse, Jesse Vargas. Vargas. Yep, exactly. Jesse Vargas. I got clipped. I, and it was the first time that I really realized why I got clipped. It was. Uh, I remember Teddy Atlas uh, had gave me a comment, called me, and did an interview. And uh, he was like, do you know why you got clipped with that shot? And I was just like, uh, no. <laughs> and he goes, you got clipped with that shot because what do you do when a guy drops down in front of you? And I was just like, uh, hit him with an uppercut? And he goes, no, you drop down with him. You drop down with him. He's trying to sneak you, and that's what he did. He acted like he was going into your pocket and came over the top with the looping right hand, and you stood straight up and he was hit with it. And I, at that time, that's when I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, I need a Teddy Atlas in my life. And that's when I went on ahead and decided to change my trainer. But anyhow, 
Uh, yeah, I, I remember that fight, man. I would have finished on my feet, too, by the way. Jesse, I know Jesse Vargas here in Vegas. I would have finished on my feet, man. You know you're dealing with, I'm the, hey, I'm the Desert Storm, brother. Shoot, the Desert Storm. I would have finished. Yeah, the, Let if me you don't want saw it. Hey, the ref, the ref stepped in and stopped him a little bit too soon, man. You know, like he didn't stop it. He oh, thought the bell had that, run. That was like Pat Russell, right? I mean, come on, Pat Russell. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, I'm going to talk about guy, Pat. Though. Yeah, okay, that's my guy, man. Don't talk about my guy, okay. Pat Russell. I, I, I won't. I won't. I won't. I mean, it was <laughs> he's, California he's guys. He's retired now. He's retired now. He's retired now. He's. I think he's just. Uh, uh, he's judging fights now. So he's done for the ref, and he's judging fights. So. Well, it's funny, you know. So Jesse would be on the show pretty regularly and i remember having him on before that and i remember we had him on i had him on after that fight and man he was he was he was he was still buzzing you know about that about that fight yeah he was was. was still talking and i love jesse i mean jesse's vargas is cool i mean jesse vargas is cool i mean he's a competitor but he did rock me with that shot but bro i had my wits about about me man and i tied your behind up and I had about seven seconds left or eight seconds left, bro. I would have took another knee. I would have took an actual knee because I didn't go down when you hit me. I didn't go down, buddy. I know. I would have took a knee just so that way I could survive, and I still would have won the fight. Yeah. I'm smarter than that, Jesse. Come on now. Shoot. <laughs> uh, hey, th- anyway, <laughs> th- thanks for thanks for reliving that because that's not easy for fighters to do. You know, in, in situations like that, you know, they, you know, the, the the glory times, and you know when they deliver the knockouts and all that sort of thing, you know, but. Uh, yeah. When they get buzzed, sometimes they don't like talking about it. And you just gave us two occasions where you admittedly were buzzed, you know? Nah, come on, man. Now, hey, I'm, I'm retired from the sport, man. And, and, you know, the fight fans, they need to hear this, man. Anybody that loves boxing, go. they need to hear it, you know. And, and, and I'm a realist when it comes to the game. Uh, if you hurt me, you hurt me. I'm not going to lie. You know, there's no, and, and people see it. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say, oh, he didn't hurt me. No, he hurt me. He hurt me, and, he, and, and it was a pretty good uh, – it was a pretty good buzz he, he created, but uh, I was I was good. I had my wits about me. I, I went back and watched the tape several times, and, I mean, I was like, oh, my feet are good. My legs yeah. are good. All right. I see what I'm doing. All right. I stepped in. I tied him up right there. Uh, the ref steps in and goes, oh, it's old. Like, I'm like, what's going on? Bro, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> Anyhow. No, that's no doubt, man. What about Lomachenko Nakatani, baby? That's we got that fight coming up soon. Yeah, and that's why we got plenty of time to talk to you about that in a couple of weeks, man. So we're gonna have you back right. on. You know, that's that's the deal here with that. But we look forward to seeing you All on right. Saturday night, man. We'll see you there for Shakur Stevenson and Nakatilia. That's it. The H is Naka- gone. There you go. Yep, Nakatilia. Nakatilia gonna get knocked out. It sounds like. Nakatila. Yeah. Nakatila. Nakatila. Yeah, Nakatila. Nakatila getting knocked out. He's getting knocked out. Okay. Tim Bradley. He better get knocked out. I'm going to be upset. There you go. (laughs) He he better get knocked out so TC doesn't have to keep on saying his name. That's right. I don't want to say his name anymore. (laughs) Exactly. I I butchered it enough, man. Bradley's easy to, you know, Pacquiao's easy to say. Bradley's easy. Crawford's easy to say. No problem, man. Right. All right, man. Hey, look forward to seeing you on Saturday night, man, at the the version. Yes, sir. All right, brother. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Appreciate you. There he is, Timothy Bradley, the five-time champ, and uh, does a fantastic job on ESPN, him and Andre Ward and Joe Tessitore. Good Sounds stuff. like he gets buzzed a little bit differently than RVD does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. And some boxers get buzzed <laughs> both ways, you know? Well, you know, <laughs> it's painkiller, right? Always like Tim, man. Tim is a class act, class guy, and, and those – Wars that he had with Pacquiao were phenomenal. And, you know, again, when we have him on a little bit more time, if we had more time today, I had him relive that too because I remember him saying, him and Teddy Atlas, uh, after 
that fight uh, we fought uh, the last time we fought Pacquiao. He said, "Man, he goes, uh, I, I know he was that fast. I mean, and you know, Ma- you know, Manny was approaching forty at that point in time. It was like hey, he's, you know, he still got it." And now we're seeing Manny to this day. I mean, he took care of Keith Thurman. Now he's going to fight Earl Spence Jr. That fight's going to be here in Vegas in a couple months. Uh, You know, just I could watch Manny Pacquiao fight all the time. I I never want to see him retire. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, because he talked about the fights that he couldn't made with the cross promotion. But then he mentioned how, but I got three fights with Pacquiao and I got paid. So it shows that just because one thing doesn't work out, Sometimes it can still be beneficial to you because it sounds like in the long run, he probably made out better with the Pacquiao fights, win, lose, or draw. No question. No doubt (laughs) about it. The the, the check cleared. Absolutely. (laughs) Tim Bradley, class act, great guy. All right, and love to have him. We have him on the show regularly, so uh, great stuff. All right, when we come back, Scott Spritzer is going to join us. We talk VGK Colorado tonight. Who do you like, the favorite, the dog, and plus NBA playoff action as well. All right, let me put put some water on your ball. More from the master debater. The doctor, T.C. Martin. You'll never know what comes out of this guy's mouth. All right. We're getting ready for Vegas. Golden Knights, Colorado Avalanche game number six tonight. T-Mobile Arena. Drop the puck approximately 6.08 tonight. Let's uh, break it down. We're the good friend, Scott Spritzer, the handicapper extraordinaire. What's going on, my man? How you guys doing? Getting ready for the weekend, man. Man, big weekend. NBA playoffs, NHL, baseball, you name it, man. You know, even a little college baseball. You know, Scott, you, you dive into that at all? I do, I do. I'll be uh, looking at some College World Series next week, and uh, I grew up about uh, that's right about a fifteen minute drive from Rosenblatt Stadium, which is no longer in existence, but uh, went to the World Series, College World Series, every single year, and uh, it was just an event, man, back there. So it, I've stayed, it stayed as a part of my life. I know that, and since we have been able to bet on it for many, many years now. It's uh, been something I dive into. I'm a college baseball fan. I'm one of the few in Vegas. Yeah, no, I know. I know you uh, go out to the UNLV games. I've seen you out there, and you love your baseball. And I think that, that I have not been to Omaha you know, for that. And Rosenblatt Stadium's gone, but like I said, they built the big monstrosity now. It really doesn't have the same feel. It, it doesn't look like it does. It's a very nice stadium, but I think that should still be like a bucket list type of thing for the sports fan, especially a baseball fan. You can talk about going to all the other, you know, major league ballparks and that sort of thing, but man, the atmosphere in that, you know, tense, basically double elimination style where basically it's, it's like a one and done type of situation. There's nothing like that. And you probably know it better than anybody. Well, I'll tell you what, TC, and, I, and of course, my heart belongs to Rosenblatt. I have not been to the College World Series since it moved to the new stadium, but I hope to be there uh, next year in 2022 to check it out. My friends who still live back there and relatives say it's still a great experience. You know, they're selling out that place, whatever it holds, 25000 or whatever. But the cool thing about Rosenblatt that nobody, unless they're from the Omaha area, are going to care about that I talk about this on your show. But I'll tell you anyway, you would start out, in the afternoon by going to this Italian joint, and I'm talking like authentic Italian joint. I was going to say, food had to come into play here. I knew it. I love it. Yes. TC, I saved this kind of talk for your show exclusively. (laughs) And we would go to Marchio's. We would have a late lunch down at Marchio's. And then just a little ways up the hill is the Blatt, as we called it back then. And right across the street from the Blatt was a little tiny ice cream parlor. 
uh, that's still there, but obviously doesn't do the business that it used to. And we would head in there and we'd get our ice cream and all that kind of stuff, walk into the game, and it was just a different atmosphere. It was like going back to the 1950s when you walked in uh, into that stadium. It was just a real cool experience. So that part of it's gone. It's all, you know, a lot of joints around the new stadium and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I'm sure it's good at its level, but not for us old folk, as I like to call us, TC. Now, is that a different part of town where the new stadium is? A little is? bit. Okay. Yeah. Because a lot a, of these places, they'll just knock it down. They'll, they'll build it across from the parking lot, you know, where the old parking lot was. We see that with a lot of major league parks. But, but Rosenblatt is actually a different part of town than the new stadium, huh? Yeah, it's a good 10-minute drive, and it's uh, about a 10-minute drive or so. And, and it's also uh, it's by where, it's where Creighton University plays their home games in basketball. Go it's right Blue across Jays. the street from there. There you go. So, All right. There yeah. you go. Uh, Nubchuck, what are you playing here? He's playing a little Italian, Italian, Italian restaurant. Italian Italian restaurant. Yeah. He's trying to set the ambiance for the I want to uh, hear about the ice cream. Meal. I want to know what kind of ice cream Scott Spritzer was was taken Oh, that park. joint, man, that soft-serve ice cream, I'm telling you. Now that he's playing this music, I'm thinking about Batista's Hole in the Wall yeah. here in town right now. I've, <laughs> somebody invited me there. I haven't, I haven't been there in like 25 years, Scott, so uh, is it still good? I've never been it, there. It's a fun really? place. It's just yeah. old school. It has that Wait, old school. Ballpark's never this. been there. we got to go with Ballpark. Oh, come on. Well, we're going. You tell me when, and I'll meet you guys there. Really? I've only been yeah. out here since 88. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the first time I went there was around 88. (laughs) Last time I was there was probably 95, 96. Yeah. Wow. wow. You guys definitely need to go. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a good call, Scott. All right. There you go. All right, man. uh, Tonight, let's go. VGK and the Colorado Avalanche. The Knights are a $1.35 favorite. What are you thinking here, man? This has been a kind of a hard series to handicap. Oh, wait a minute. I got to tell the story. If you're Scott Spritzer... And you take the first period Colorado in game number five, never a doubt. They only scored with less than a second to go. That's it. So, Scott, were you sweating for 19 minutes and whatever that is, uh, you know, nine tenths of a second? 1959.2. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, get that point two in there. Let's be. (laughs) Jeez. Um, Never in doubt. Handicapped it that way. I said with about a second or two to go. No. Uh, yeah, listen, man, it was, it was perfect because not only did I get the lucky goal with about a second to go, and not only that, but also Marc-Andre Fleury misplaying a puck, right? I mean, all that had to come into play in the final second. But not only did I win the bet in the first period, but then I got to root for the Knights the yep. rest of the game. You know, I got to have my cake and eat it too. Yep. Uh, so there's not a lot of times when you get to do that. But, yeah, that's what I did last time out. I played Colorado first period, and I was hoping to get – and what's funny is I was kind of texting back and forth with another handicapper, and we were both about to post, you know, oh, well, push with that first period. You know, but at least now I can root for the Golden Knights. And then, of course, they, they get that goal with the second to go. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, one of those fun nights where I got to win and then root for the Knights and see them come back and win the game. So, uh, you know, tonight you're looking at about a, anywhere from $1.26 to $1.45. That's where this line ranges wow. from tonight. Uh, one offshore just dropped it a few pennies down to $1.26. I do, I do still see it William Hill. It's hanging strong at minus $1.45. Uh, I've seen that uh, about 65% of the tickets or the bets are on Vegas, but about 60% of the money is on Colorado. This was as of about an hour ago. So if you want to look at it that way, it's a Joes versus Pros, a public versus Sharps game in which the public is on the Knights and the Sharps are on Colorado. 
I don't agree uh, with the Sharps. I did not make a play on this game, but if you made me, I would have backed Vegas. I saw this great article, guys, and part of being a handicapper to better is going out and grabbing articles from people or official sites that really make sense when it comes to metrics, things of that nature, how teams play against certain players, and then piecing it all together. So i got to give NHL.com a hat tip on this one because they talked about the way McKinnon, of course, we all knew this, but the way McKinnon played through the first series this playoffs and the first two games against Vegas. And he had eight goals and he had five assists in six games, 13 points. He hasn't scored a point since. The last time, NHL.com points out, the last time McKinnon went three straight games without scoring a point, games five, six, and seven of the Western Conference second round in 2019, they lost that series to the Sharks. Oh, by the way, Peter DeBoer was the coach of the Sharks. He's figured out a way to take McKinnon out of the series. He did it with San Jose. He's done it with Vegas. I think Colorado's a tough time getting him back on his game. You know, it's interesting, too, because uh, you mentioned that goal that Fleury gave up there, and so, you know, you, you didn't have to sweat your bet out there. But I thought in a weird kind of way that that actually lifted the team where it could be demoralizing. It's almost like the team looked, and you saw Fleury like, oh, I want that back, but he was still smiling. And Mark Stone addressed it afterwards. They went in the locker room and basically said, you've had us all season long. Don't worry, we have your back. It's almost like he you know, made him that much more determined to win, especially the way he played in the second period to only be down two to nothing. And by the way, uh, I think that you might all uh, flower a, a dinner at Batista's Hole in the Wall for, uh, for giving that goal up next time you see him. I might owe him a few dinners. Uh, but, but I'll tell you what, you saw the same thing I did, Frank, because I remember, like I said, I was texting back and forth with a couple of people. And when he gave it that goal and you saw his reaction afterwards, like, what the heck did I just do? And I, I was like, that might be a blessing in disguise. I, this guy's going to come out steaming the rest of this game. And I, I, I was saying, I go, I, I'm hard-pressed to think that, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury is going to give up another cheapie tonight. So I was thinking the same thing. I was like, you know, that might be a blessing in disguise. Obviously, it was a blessing in my wallet. Uh, but, again, for the Vegas Golden Knights, I uh, definitely thought that it kind of got Fleury in that frame of mind of this ain't happening again. And he played extremely well before that, and then, of course, the rest of the game saved their bacon in a couple of instances. There we go, bacon, TC. We're back to food. But, I love uh, it. I love it. I love anyway, it. but, yeah, you know, it's like I, I agree, Frank. I was watching and thinking the same thing when that goal went in, uh, other than the fact that I was jumping up and down a little bit like a 10-year-old, you know, in a candy shop. So, Scott, let's talk a little bit about this Avalanche team. They've never lost four in, in a row during this season. I was, I'm shocked they've really lost three in a row. But has Colorado, were they overvalued in this series? I don't believe they were overvalued. I, I still thought going into the series, and, and of course I'm you know, at this point hoping that I'm incorrect, thinking Colorado was going to win this series before it began. I don't think they were overvalued. I just think that Vegas has made all the right moves. You know, and guess what? You know, maybe, I mean, in hindsight, you could say, yeah, maybe they were a little overvalued or overrated because, you know, look at man. If they come back to win the series, talking about Vegas, all of a sudden that punt in game one where they started Leonard instead of Flurry. And, you know, is going to look like a genius move by DeBoer. He got Marc-Andre Fleury some extra rest. He might have felt going into that game the day before, the morning of the game, we're not going to win this game. We just don't have our legs, you know, so I'm going to give Fleury the night off. If they come back to win this series, they look like a genius. But, again, before the series began, and they don't have one of their best players, you know, for a good chunk of this series. And 
I thought they were faster than Vegas throughout the season, and I thought when they had to get physical along with that fast skating that they were a little bit more physical than Vegas throughout the course of the season. And obviously I'm not the only one. They were the favorite to win the series. Part of that, of course, is having home ice advantage when it began, which they no longer have. Uh, but again, it, you know, it's, it's tough, man, because hindsight says, yeah, maybe. But if they were just starting this series today, I would still like Colorado over Vegas in the series. Uh, things change. DeBoer makes that incredible change to do what he's done to McKinnon. Second time he's done it in two years of the postseason. And, you know, they've made a couple of changes where we've seen, like, the speed of Stevenson, you know, taking it right to the Colorado, kind of like pushing it back in their face, having speed like that. So, you know, again, when you look at five-on-five, five, I think the thing that surprises me the most about the series, five-on-five, five, Vegas has been better than Colorado in 10 of the last 12 periods when it comes to expected goal percentage. I didn't think we'd see this. I thought maybe a period here, a period there. But 10 of the last 12 periods, their expected goal percentage in five-on-five five is just flat-out better than the Avs. You know, this series and a lot of these series are very hard to figure. And I want to make a statement here, Scott, and tell me what you think, that hockey seems to be the best value for underdogs. Would you agree with that or not? Yeah, I do, because I don't think home ice – well. Vegas out of the mix. You know? right, I mean, right. that place is a nut job when you go down there. It's great. But when you take, uh, when you look at, you know, home advantage, home court, home ice, home field, I think uh, the NHL presents the best value for the underdog in a series, sometimes from game to game, because I don't think 99% of the time home ice means a whole lot. So, yeah, I agree with you. You can also get a hot goalie who can start every game of a series who might be playing for the underdog where if you have an underdog in baseball, you don't get to throw your best pitcher out there every night. You know, so I do think for those reasons that hockey presents a better value if you like the underdog. And by the way, one quick note on this. You know, Fleury's won 15 games uh, when his team can clinch a series in his NHL career, and that, again, is attributed to NHL.com. And he has four shutouts in those situations. So he's second, actually, for the most shutouts uh, in a clincher in NHL history. You got that going for you, too, with math tonight with Marc-Andre Fleury. There you go. You know, after game number two, you could have got the Golden Knights at, what, plus 450 or $5 to win the series. And now, if you still like Colorado, you can get them at plus 425. There's been some some tremendous value here. And uh, just think if you would have, uh, you know, you know, played the Golden Knights after game number two. Yeah, and again, tonight with Colorado, again, we're talking about before this series, Colorado was thought of as being the slightly better hockey team than Vegas, thought of by most as being the team to win the Stanley Cup. So you get that plus $4 price right now, and I know this sounds you know, kind of weird to say only, but relatively speaking, you only have to win one game, you're back in your home ice for game seven. Right. You know, that series price you know, for those who are sitting around betting some pizza money or some Batista's hole in the wall money, you know, plus 400 might not be the worst idea. You know, if that's where it's at right now, I haven't seen a playoff series today. So, you know, not a bad idea. I mean, again, you got to win one game. If you don't, you know, you have fun money on it, you lose a little bit of fun money, a little bit of pizza money. If you happen to put 40 or 50 bucks on it, and you win. Hey, you've got a nice dinner coming up on you. You know what I mean? So not a bad idea. 
Well, you know, it's interesting too, Scott, because obviously Colorado wants it to go to a seventh game or they're eliminated, but they also get Kadri back in the lineup if they do go to a game seven, the first time that he's been able to play since that eight-game suspension. But Vegas right now might be the healthiest they've been in a long, long time with McNabb back and Pacioretty coming back right at the end of the Minnesota series and immediately paying dividends. He's got three game-winning goals. He had the pass to Stone for the game winner in overtime the last game. Uh, you know, we have it looks like like Patrick Brown will be out tonight because he was staying with the with the the reserves afterwards so it looks like that fourth line tonight might be Carrier, Colasar and Reeves which is going to be a really heavy hitting line so and Yanmar came back that last game. He got the puck off the boards and threw it to Wah, who threw it to Tuck for that first goal. So not only has Vegas played pretty well, but they seem to be the healthiest right now. Pete DeBoer's got to feel one of his biggest challenges is who do I play and who don't I play because he has that luxury of having a healthy team at this point of the season. That's huge. Well, I want to yeah. add this too. I mean, they're so healthy right now that Ryan Reeves was a healthy scratch last game. And that's why I'm saying yeah. it looks like he's <laughs> I mean, in tonight again. Right. Yeah, so crazy. Yeah, and the only one I see on the list right now as being questionable is, is Nosek for tonight's game. You know, and, and as far as Kadri, you know, that's what I was talking about a little bit earlier when I was saying, you know, one of the players that can really uh, be a thorn in the side of Vegas hasn't even played in a series. And that was, of course, because he was suspended uh, for all those games. But, yeah, they would like to get Kadri. They'd like to get to a game seven for obvious reasons, but obviously also to get Kadri, one of their top centers on the ice, who can really, he can really change the course of a game. There's no doubt about it when he's at the top of his game. Uh, you mentioned Janmark. That was huge in getting him back. He's meant so much to this team, I think, in the postseason, not just because of the hat trick that he had against Minnesota, but the way he plays, just that hard nose digging after the puck style uh, that I think he was huge in getting him back. But you're right, this, you know, DeBoer all of a sudden has this luxury of having just about everybody on the ice and, you know, who do I play here and there to make sure I don't disrupt the flow that we've had over the last three games. All right, NBA playoffs tonight, Scott. Two good games, Brooklyn at Milwaukee. Are the Bucks going to finally show up? They're a three-and-a-half-point choice at home tonight. No James Harden again. And then we got the Clippers against Utah. No Mike Conley for... Um, uh, for Utah tonight, and they're favored by three. Yeah, as far as the Bucks are concerned, you know, I, I again, I think it's one of those situations where one of the best things that the Nets had going for them in the first couple of games was the Bucks' offense, or lack thereof. I mean, they were so bad. Uh, they contributed to their own demise in each of those games. They made 14 of 57, or 25% of their three-pointers, the Bucks in the two games. They were 15 for 28 54% from the free throw line. This is a basketball team that ranked sixth in offensive efficiency this season, second in effective field goal percentage, fifth in true shooting percentage, and they can't hit the broad side of the barn. You could suit the three of us up right now, and I think we could make half of our free throws. Nobody's in our face, right? I mean, the Bucks were the fifth most accurate three-point shooting team in all of 2021, and then go 14 for 57, you're not going to tell me that all of a sudden the Brooklyn Nets found the sweet elixir to play defensive basketball. You know, they're bottom third in a lot of categories when it comes to the defensive end of the floor. Uh, and also I wanted to mention, and I'm leaning towards the Bucks here, I did make a bet on the first half. I laid two and a half. I think it's three now in most books, but I laid two and a half with the Bucks in the first half. One thing about the Bucks that they've been known for this season is bouncing back, refocusing from a loss, coming out of the gate strong in the next game, and they covered the first half in four straight games following a straight-up loss, outscoring their opponents by an average of 63-49 to 49 
in the first half of those games coming off a loss that was before the playoffs began. Uh, I think it's now or never, and I thought, you know what, at that point, it's not a big play for me, but I laid the two and a half in the first half thinking it's kind of a virtual now or never for Milwaukee. Listen, I don't think they can shoot 25% from area code three for a third straight game, especially at home. If they do, I'm going to lose. But I'm betting that they shoot better and come out with a little bit more intensity uh, in the first half of this particular game. And Clippers, do they even it up tonight? We saw what they could do on the road against Dallas. What happens there? Yeah, I can't count the Clippers out, guys. I, I think i got to lean that way. I, I only, the only play I made tonight was the Bucks okay. in that first half, laying the two-and-a-half. By the way, they're up to three-and-a-half for the game. As far as that game, Utah, they're laying two-and-a-half right now, total sitting at 222-and-a-half. I, I like to see, when I like a team like the Clippers – I don't want Mike Conley out. I want to handicap this and bet it going against what they know and what they've seen when he's been healthy this season. All of a sudden, he's out, and we see it so many times that good teams that are coached well can rally around a player, a top player, being out for one game. That bothers me a little bit, but I lean towards the Clippers. Uh, Boy, Kawhi, when he needs to, has been able to shoot lights out. At least he did last series when they had to have him. So a lean to the Clippers and a bet on Milwaukee in the first half. All right, Scott Spritzer, Doc Sports. Go check out all of his stuff there at DocSports.com. Get involved with Scott's plays. Scott, enjoy the games uh, tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you very, very soon, my man. Go Knights, go. Talk to you guys later. All right, great stuff from Scott Spritzer, handicapper extraordinaire. want to thank, from the boxing side, the Hall of Famer Bob Arum from Top Rank and Timothy Bradley, the former five-time champ and ESPN broadcaster as well. Appreciate that. All right, go Knights, go. We'll see. We'll reconvene tomorrow. Tomorrow, Golden Pipes joins us live from Sunset Station as well as Chuck Esposito. We'll look forward to that. Hasta la vista, baby.